Hey, I'm Alex. And I'm Brandon. And welcome to Living Electric. We're both content creators and electric vehicle enthusiasts. And through this podcast, we hope to share our experience with owning electric vehicles and help you join the electric life. Welcome back to Living Electric. We are on episode seven of season three, and this season has just gone by super quickly. It's really hard to believe that we're coming up on season four, and um, we've had a lot of exciting topics and guests. And today we are joined by Lacey of Miss Go Electric. Welcome, Lacey. <laughs> Thanks, guys, for having me. Oh, we're excited to have you here. Uh, just to give a quick background, and Lacey, you can, if I miss anything, please let me know. Uh, Lacey has extensive automotive experience with working with such companies as McLaren and Karma Automotive. Um, I also was looking at your LinkedIn profile, which I mentioned. Uh, if you get a bunch of notifications, that was me. <laughs> um, I've seen that you've had a lot of experience being like product reps uh, for a lot of different companies. And uh, you currently are uh, the host of Misco Electric. Yes. So... Just to kind of give you guys a little bit of background on me, I've been in the automotive business for about 10 years plus. And with my role, typically what I do is whenever a new car company or you know a, a legacy maker comes out with a new product, then they need people on the ground educating them about the new vehicle that's coming out. Um, whether that's at an event or an auto show. Um, I've done a lot of dealer training as well. So I'll go into the dealers and educate them on the product and the demographic and where it stands and on some industry information as well. Um, so my experience is uh, you know, focused primarily on educating consumers, dealer staff, OEM staff on new product launches. That's awesome. How, how long have you been doing that? Uh, like in terms of like the education side? Yeah. So it, right when I got into the automotive business, so it's a total of like just over 10 years. And I started initially with just one client. So I worked with Lincoln for about seven plus years. <clears throat> and then um, as I was working with Lincoln, my business is very strange. Like we're, we're all, all contractors. So um you know, I've ne- to be to be honest, I've never had a full time job of like an actual employee. I've always just been a contractor. So w- during my time with Lincoln, I slowly got more into the experiential side where I would um, do test drive events and host people in the car. So I'd be in the right seat and I'd be instructing them on you know what route to take and also in the process telling them everything that they need to know about the car and while they're experiencing the driving dynamics um, explain exactly what they're feeling and why and uh, that kind of led me into working with other brands because when you're in the luxury sector um, that is a specific criteria uh, when you're dealing with that demographic that the other brands kind of you know glom onto and they really want to uh, you know focus on having people that have an expertise, not only in that product, but also on the hospitality side of things. So from there, I actually started working with some of the more higher end supercar brands like McLaren and Rolls-Royce. And specifically over the last five years, I started actually working with BMW. And once I drove the i3, I was like, holy moly, this thing is super fun. Um, Very unexpected. I don't know about the looks of it, but once I got in it, I was sold. So (laughs) I love the panda looks, the white and the black one. I always call that the panda. (laughs) Yes. So I launched the i3. And uh, after that, I was like, man, I need to focus on, you know, educating 
solely more on the EV side of things. And um, so like right before the pandemic hit, I launched the Polestar 2. So in 2019, I took that all around the US, Canada and parts of Europe uh, as a static vehicle to educate people on that upcoming product. And then, um, you know, the last event I had worked was CES in 2020 and then the pandemic hit. And uh, I was like, well, well, now everything I do is in person with mass amounts of people. So <laughs> yeah. how am I, how am I going to uh, deal with this and uh, slowly develop the idea of the Misco Electric brand? So I said, you know what, there are a lot of people doing this, but there aren't a lot of females doing it that have specifically automotive experience like I do. So I started my channel just over a year ago and it's been going really well. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I just got finished filming, you know, you know, a month and a half ago, the charge across America, uh, TV EV rally, that's going to premiere on NBC sports on December 21st. And, uh, so I, I'm, pr I'm pretty happy that within that period of time, I'm able to hop on a TV show. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I was going to. I, I was going to ask with your YouTube channel, um, it, it blew my mind with like that out of spec EV media event, you know, like talking to people who I always thought like had channels for years. And a lot of people who I've talked to started them in, you know, spring of 2020. And yeah. it's incredible how much growth you guys have seen, especially with Misco Electric. That's awesome. Yeah. And it, well, it just makes me excited because like you guys have been doing it for a while and there needs to be way more uh, diverse backgrounds that are providing information on the usability factor and how it really is like with your channel, like living every day with an EV because it's a different lifestyle and people mm -hmm. are scared of it, but we need to make sure that we're giving them enough information to give them confidence to make the switch. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Is there a, uh, going back to your, your car days, is there a favorite car that was the most fun to sit in the passenger seat? Uh, with and like have people experience for the first time oh, or was gosh. it an EV and that's kind of what got you into what you're doing now I mean it was really fun doing the i3 launch um, but uh, I mean I've worked with so many different brands like and I still <laughs> do so I still that's what I do full-time um, yeah. Miss Go Electric I'm trying to make it more full-time than it is um, but yeah. So gosh, that's a tough question. What is my favorite? <laughs> I don't know. Like I own a Tesla Model S. So that's kind of my, like, it's always fun to take people that have never experienced an EV in that because yeah. <laughs> they're like, wait a second, Th that's a good this starter is one. what it's about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. um, so uh, when I'm not working, actually, I still, I, I, it's hard to contain myself. I like to just get people excited about it. So I take people for rides in that. And when I put my friends in there for the first time, they're like, okay, I get it. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> That's very rewarding. That's a common theme we've, we've heard talking to a lot of people. It's like, you can have somebody that is like the biggest, like EV, like, like hater. And then as soon as they get in the car, like their whole perspective changes. And it's oh, yeah. like crazy how important that is for, for driving adoption and making people understand what it's really like. It's so true. 
more butts and seats, as they say. Yeah. <laughs> seats. That's exactly. what I do for a living, butts and seats. <laughs> so, Lacey, I wanted to ask you, so it, it's interesting that like you, you know, like you have all this like automotive experience for like the past 10 years. Have you always been into cars like ever, like your entire life? No. So that's kind of the interesting thing is that, uh, you know, I went to school to be a sports reporter and I did that actually for a year out of school. And I, I loved that. I still love watching sports and being involved in that community, but Ultimately, um, you know, I graduated with quite a bit of student loan debt, as I'm sure everyone can relate to mm-hmm. <laughs> for yep. the most part. Yeah. And, Not looking uh, forward to January. Right? <laughs> and so I was like, you know what, I got to do something because working in a really uh, small market, long hours where you, it transitioned from when I initially started getting into the business and um, actually going out and getting a job is you you became like a one-man show, uh, whereas before uh, in TV, you'd have a separate editor, you'd have a separate cameraman, you'd have a separate, you know, everything. Um, and you'd, you would write your scripts and your packages, and that would be what you would focus on. But this was kind of like you had put in a lot more work for less money and <laughs> a lot more time. And although I love it very much, I need to do something to supplement so I can pay for my student loans. So, and just living in general. Um, So I um, had a girlfriend who was on a very similar path as I was in broadcasting. And she was like, hey, you know what? Um, I'm having the same problem, but I actually just auditioned for this agency, uh, which supplies talent for auto shows. So, um, you know, I I think I'm going to do it and it sounds great. So maybe you should try that out. And uh, so I did, I had auditioned for one of the agencies and uh, that's how I got into the automotive business. And they trained me up on some of the basics of automotive and obviously the product line initially. Um, but then I fell in love and I, as, as a reporter does, dives deep in research and figuring <laughs> out what is this all about and just became obsessed. <laughs> so yeah, since then, uh, you know, my experience isn't ultimately that long in comparison to a lot of other people in the business being in automotive, but now I'm in pretty deep. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's always interesting because like some of the people that we've had on their show, they've either been enthusiasts their entire lives or they're just, you know, getting into it, which is, which is really cool. They're, um, you know, not to turn it to me. I just, fun fact, I actually used to hate cars when I was younger and now, yeah, yeah. And I would say maybe until like 20, uh, 2009, that's when I started getting into cars. So it's kind of interesting. I feel like you're either born into it or you grow into it. (laughs) Well, it's so funny because I live in the Metro Detroit area and everyone is in the car business here. So (laughs) like, it was like, people were like, Oh, of course you're from Detroit area. You are into cars. And I was like, I guess now I am, you know, (laughs) you know, I have so many relatives and everybody that's either a supplier or works for, you know, corporate or whatever. And, uh, so now it's a natural fit, but, uh, I felt like a fish out of water at first. (laughs) What's the, what's the response like in the Detroit area compared to maybe other places you've visited with around EVs? Are they pretty respect like responsive to it? Because that that I mean the reality is that's kind of the 
direction the industry is going, but <laughs> yes, you, you know, and, and to your point, it's obvious to us and we see it, but the people in like the legacy automakers and the, you know, brands that have been around forever that have been turning out combustion engines, it's not as obvious. Wow. And they have a lot of, uh, you know, myths that they continue to project, unfortunately. So there's a lot of work to be done there. In Michigan, it's an interesting uh, mix, though, I would say, because, um, you know, my actually my first video on my channel was about this, but the automakers specifically with direct sales are trying to block that out in my state. Mm. And right now it's kind of at a standstill that it's on pause, but it, a bill passed actually in the House in the state of Michigan where um essentially it would prevent anybody else other than Tesla because they fought and took it all the way to our Supreme Court in order to have the ability to sell here. Uh, and they're trying to close that loophole, um, which is unfortunate. And, you know, a lot of people will come and come at me and say, well, you know, dealerships, you know, they've, you know, we need dealership. I'm not saying close down the dealerships. I'm saying I am pro consumer choice. Mm -hmm. Everyone should have the ability to be able to choose whichever model. Um, it shouldn't be forced through a third party dealer. And that's yep. just my opinion, you know, but you know, the state of Michigan, there are quite a few specifically EV makers, Rivian has an office here, a pretty mm -hmm. big one in Plymouth, uh, that they want to be able to sell their cars to their employees and the other people in the state. And um, so I really believe in that. And I um, try to fight for that. But it's really tough because the OEMs have a big stronghold and actually the dealer groups have an even bigger stronghold. So they're really trying to do what they can to prevent that from accelerating. And so it's kind of tough that we're in this weird limbo right now, but then at the same time, we have uh, a lot of policy taking place that is being infused into legislation that um, is promoting electric vehicles. And we have a specific office in our state that is dedicated to, you know, transitioning to electrification. So it's kind of a push and pull. Uh, and it, 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 I think it's kind of people pleasing on both sides, uh, but it is a very, very, very slow transition. We do not have a lot of infrastructure, uh, especially in the northern part of the state, mm. which is significant for us because a lot of people in the state of Michigan, I'm sure you're, you guys are familiar being, um, you know, in the state south of me, having to go up north, like people go up north here and we yeah. need charging infrastructure to be able to support that lifestyle because everyone in our state does that, you know, they yep. have like a small little <laughs> cottage and, a, you know, a, a up north where they can enjoy the summers and stuff and, and even the winter with snowmobiling and everything. Mm -hmm. And um, so there's a lot of work to be done, especially on the infrastructure side to support that lifestyle slowly, but surely at a snail's pace where getting there. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting when the, where the focus goes a lot of the times with charging, cause we always focus on, oh, well, all the people are right here. We got to put all the charging right here. But if most of the people are living there, they're typically just charging at home. Like we really do need better infrastructure in these small little rural towns that are exactly. kind of the, the connectors, honestly, to the, to the rest of the state or, or other parts of the country. So exactly. that's, it's gotta be a huge push. Like that's been the 
it's been encouraging in in Ohio because Columbus is just so good for charging. Like I can't go out and not see a charger now, which is incredible. Um, like it wasn't even like that two years ago. Um, but anytime I venture outside of the the metro area, it's like <laughs> it's very hit or miss. Like I have a hard time even finding somewhere to go. So yeah, yeah. And, and you know, Alex Cleveland, the infrastructure here is not very good. Yeah, we, yeah. Uh-huh. I think we have less than ten fast chargers in like a fifty mile radius around Cleveland, and pretty much there's like level two spotted all over. And it's it's getting better, but it's definitely nowhere what it's like in you know Detroit or Columbus. Like it needs to improve. <laughs> yeah. 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 Is that the Agreed. biggest question you get from from people that are experiencing EVs is around charging or is it something else? Yeah, people are concerned with range anxiety. So charging is mm. the huge factor. Um, you know, they want something that can go enough range for, of course, their daily commute. But they, it's always going to prevent somebody because if they take a road trip just once out of, you know, five years, yep. <laughs> that's, <laughs> they don't care. They want to have the capability to do that. And they should. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it is the the biggest question is always around charging. Well, how do I charge it? And like, how, where are these charging? And that's how the thing people don't realize there are a lot of charging stations usually in the areas that I'm going because it's usually big metro areas where there are yeah. a lot of people. Um, and when you pull up a map of like, say on PlugShare or Chargeway, you know, you're like, look at all this stuff. You don't even <laughs> realize what's around you. Yeah. <laughs> so with, with that being said, I wanted to circle back to Charge Across America. Um, you know, I'm, I'm super excited to watch that on Tuesday, but I'm sure there are some things you can say right now versus what we'll see on Tuesday. <laughs> um, yes. With traveling across the country, how was the infrastructure in like some of more of the rural areas that you've experienced? Yeah. So to be fair, I've done a lot of EV road tripping in my car, but this was a whole different experience because I'd never done an EV road trip in a CCS uh, vehicle. Mm, And so um, my co-driver Ryan offered up his Mustang Mach-E, which is what we took on the trip from New York to LA. Uh, Now, to be fair, we all made the trip. We got it done and it was a success uh, in the from that standpoint, but we did have a lot less charging infrastructure available to choose from in the middle of the country. Mm. Um, And I will say, you know, luckily Electrify America has a whole string that goes across the country that we were able to, uh, you know, charge on. But, um, you know, some of the pockets were like over or about a hundred miles in between those charging stations. So it's like, you needed to stop there in order to to get going. And if you have any kind of issue with a charging station, um, that can cause, you know, a big problem for people who are road tripping and, and kind of strand them for hours if it's not, you know, up to snuff. So, um, you know, we had an experience specifically in the middle of the country that was really hard because, uh, there was a whole bank of chargers that, you know, weren't working as they should. We didn't know why we called the customer service and they uh they couldn't really understand what was happening or why either Mm. but ultimately you know that particular one stop was really tough for all the teams because that was the only place to charge (laughs) you know fast because this other thing though is to to be clear what we were doing was slightly impractical because (laughs) we weren't allowed to charge at hotels overnight we were only allowed to charge on the clock. So we would punch in every morning and then punch out and no charging after that. 
You had, wow. to, you had to make sure that you had enough charge for whatever station you were going to be going to next in the morning, wow. whatever was in the area. Yeah. So uh, most people would just, you know, charge overnight at a hotel. That makes the experience really, really uh, easy because you don't even have to worry about a full, full uh, uh, fill up yeah. the next morning. Hmm. So... Yeah, it was tough uh, in the rural areas, but you know we all did it, and and we made it. <laughs> <laughs> You're here. <laughs> Important and that's what part. Matters. Yeah. 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 So it is doable. I mean, there needs to be work definitely with the maintenance side of things on charging infrastructure, and I don't know if it's because of certain vendors or um, you know specifically because these charging uh, networks purchase these units from different companies, uh, mm-hmm. whether it's ABB or Signet or, you know, whatnot. Um, so there needs to be definitely more focus on maintaining the network in a timely manner. Some stations we would pull up to and uh, there was no one fixing them. They were just offline and and mm. the, the station was full of people. So you had to wait and get a charge after someone left. So I think, you know, as mass adoption comes, we need to address these things now and uh, focus on making it a non-issue for people because they'll glom onto that one issue. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. absolutely. I, I feel like, you know, uh, the biggest argument is when uh, combustion drivers go to a gas station, the majority of the time there is an uptime for gas pumps. I mean, from time to time, you'll see something out of order. Um, and most of the time they get that resolved pretty quickly. Um, but in terms of reliability and redundancy for EV stations, I 100% agree it needs to be improved. And well, the and nice thing. Oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. No, go oh, ahead. I, I was going to say the nice thing is that nothing's set in stone right now. You know, like there is a lot of opportunity to improve that. And For I sure. really hope it does improve. Yeah. And, you know, people are wondering why it isn't the same as, you know, because you get annual inspections or whatnot in at gas stations. Um, but the uptime is so important for gas stations versus, uh, you know, electric vehicle stations because the land that these charging stations and uh, infrastructure companies are buying up that's a significant uh, value proposition that they just want to hold on to. They want to get it fast and then they'll deal with whatever later. That's how they see it. Mm. Um, Because especially right now with this infrastructure bill uh, coming to light and a lot of federal money being available for uh, the, the networks um, that's what they want to do is they want to get it, secure it and then, get as much as possible done just by getting the chargers out and not worry about, you know, having to fix them immediately because <laughs> they just want to be able to get that real estate. Yeah. That, that's, that's, a, that's an interesting perspective. I actually yeah. never thought of it that way. I see that all the time. So, so my, my full-time job is with green lots. I don't know if we discussed yeah. that at the, at the media summit, but um, that's like a constant uh, point I try to get across to people when I'm working with them because that's part of my job is kind of advising people on like what's going to work best for charging, what power levels do you need, all that kind of stuff. And I constantly have to remind people like just plugs for the sake of plugs is not doing anybody any help. Like it's really got to be implemented properly. We've got to make sure there's there's a support system in place. So if parts do fail, we've got a plan for that. We've got either backup chargers that we can swap out real quickly and get it back online, or we've got some kind of 
some kind of way to handle that stuff. And that's really where yep. the, the engineer in me comes out. Cause having, having a single mode of failure, if one little thing goes wrong, the whole station's down or, or, uh, somebody isn't able to charge like that's, that's gonna lead to an awful consumer experience, which just like hurts adoption quite honestly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and you know, not only that for the, the actual vehicle, but for the charging infrastructure, you know, if for someone sure. has a consistent bad experience on, on green lots, then yeah. they're not going to come back to it. <laughs> they're going to go to something else. So You're exactly right. Yep. Um, Sorry, we can edit this part out. I just kind of drew a blank. <laughs> yeah, I think I need that coffee cup that you have. <laughs> Doing wonders. <laughs> yeah. So to circle back to Charge Across America, um, Lacey, what, can you provide some details to our listeners so what they can expect um, when it goes live? Because this episode will drop on Monday morning. So it'll be a day before. Sure, yeah. So... What's interesting is that literally every day was so stressful because <laughs> just to give you guys a heads up, the vehicles that were involved, there were two Porsche Taycans, okay. there was a Mustang Mach-E, a VW ID4, and a Polestar 2 initially. The Polestar 2 had some issues. They had to swap it out with an Audi e-tron, mm. but we were up to some very stiff competition for the rally because... Uh, I'm sure you guys know this, but the Porsche can pull 270 kilowatts on charging. Yeah. <laughs> and it can hold more uh, uh, in the pack. So unfortunately, we knew we were at a disadvantage just based on the lineup of cars, which, I mean, the Porsche is like double the cost of, <laughs> you know, of the Mustang Mach-E. So yeah. if it can hold its own, that's a, a, a true uh, bravo to... To that car for sure um but yeah so we'll, we'll find out the results at the end of the 10-day race coming up here on tuesday for the nbc sports uh, uh showing but was what was interesting is in order to um gain certain amount of points every single day there were like a wide variety of of you know options that you could choose to to go and get points so like of course, every day, uh, depending on when you would get in with the standings, you would get a certain amount of points. And it was a gradual uh, lineup of points. So if I came in first place on, on one day, it was a seven-point uh, advantage. Then uh, five points if I got second place and three for, you know, and so on until it went all the way down to the five teams. Um, and, you know, you know, every day was different because, you know, one day you might win because you – you know, sacrifice the day before to wait and sit there and get a full charge and then, you know, have a full charge for the morning to be set up for success to, to win that day. So you might lose one day, but then you might win one day. So it was like a back and forth and it was just chaotic because I mean, we needed to do everything to stay competitive um, it, when it came to strategy. And a lot of people when initially they're thinking about, Oh, you know, just the person that gets across there first is the winner based on that time well that's not how it worked it was yes you got points for that but there was also an efficiency score so mm. um if you if you you know paid attention to how we can only go uh 10 of the speed limit over so um you know yeah if i was going 50 i could only go 55 and they tracked it on these devices this cambridge telematics device to make sure that we were staying within that range 
and also uh, tracking, uh, you know, hard braking and um, mm. acceleration wow. and things like that. So the efficiency score was important as well. Um, and that was a good 10 points if you were on top for that and the gradual down for there. So uh, not only that, but then if you opted to get local food for the day um, twice during your punch-in, uh, you would get points for that. They also introduced special addresses. So on uh, a lot of the days, uh, they would give us two addresses, the endpoint address and then the special address, which you could choose if it was, you know, if it was on the route, most people would opt to, to take it. Um, but you'd also would have to think, well, what's my competition doing? Because if they're going to take it, then I might be able to leapfrog them and get mm. the standing points instead and, uh, you know, kind of win in that manner. So there was a lot of different ways that you could get points and get deductions. So it was stressful every day trying to come up with a plan. Like I would sit there and I had my handy dandy notebook as I called it. And I would write out all of our plans for the day to like, this is the charging station that we're staying at. And we're only charging to this amount. And we would get to an extremely low state of charge because that's where you charge the fastest. So I think this is going to be great for people to watch because they are going to uh, understand the concept of, you know, uh, where you can get the fastest charge and when it's not worth it to stay longer uh, mm -hmm, yeah. at a station and just move on and then get to the next one. So that was kind of our strategy every day was to um, get down to the lowest possible state of charge that we could. <laughs> Sometimes we roll in with one mile range and then <laughs> stay only to that amount till we got to the next charging station and then, you know, keep on keeping on. So, and it was stressful at times because there were things thrown at us that we didn't know was going to happen. Like, you know, when we were driving through Colorado closer to the end of the stretch, we encountered some incredible headwinds mm. and that zapped a lot of, it took a lot of energy away from a lot of the teams. And actually we only noticed that we were going to be, you know, having to stop again only because we were so uh, close to one of the Porsches. And we noticed they were slowing down significantly. We're like, what are they doing? This is crazy. What, like, I don't understand. And we're like, oh my gosh, the, this headwind is taking so much energy from them. They do not have enough to get to the next spot. So they had oh to stop gosh. again. Wow. Yeah. yeah and wow. specifically along that path, it was interesting because there were three different charging uh, stops that you could opt for. And you know, some people would use the Electrify America app only. Some people would use a combination of, you know, the others, you know, whether it's PlugShare or Chargeway or whatever, um, to be able to uh, find those other stations. And uh, so the strategy of knowing which apps to use and which not to use, you know, uh, could have put you in a bad position. And so we ended up specifically that day I had done some research and knew exactly where all the chargers were and found that there was a brand new EV go station that we could stop at. That was a 350 kilowatt, which, uh, those mm. are, you know, pretty rare, but, um, the other team had stopped at a charge point that was only providing, uh, like, I want to say it was like 60 kilowatts or something oh. like that, <laughs> which was a significant difference. Yeah. And I'm like, I think they're going to the charge point. I think, you know, so it's like funny to see because Brian and I are like freaking out. 
<laughs> and we're like, this could mean that we are put ourselves in a good position. But, you know, of course, something else has to happen in order to. <laughs> There's so much drama. It was funny because I don't think that the production company knew what they were getting into when they got onto this because they're like, oh, yeah, we'll just, you know, be filming this, you know, fun thing that goes across the country. No big deal, whatever. But that literally every day there was some drama or some crazy thing that happened that was so unexpected uh, that, that you know, it's going to make for not only a good show for the initial airing, because the one we're going to see on NBC Sports on December 21st is going to be about a one hour documentary style. Okay. And so they're going to have to cut out quite a bit in order to, you know, fit that time slot. But um, they're working on uh, selling out a, an extended cut as a series to one of the streaming platforms because they just have so much footage. Wow, <laughs> like, okay. going to be really, really entertaining. So uh, I haven't seen the footage yet. I'm really excited to see it with everybody else. Um, and it's airing at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 7 p.m. Pacific uh, for uh, the NBC Sports airing. Awesome. That's awesome. Well, it yeah. was funny. I was keeping up with you and Ryan through social media as you guys were doing this experience. <laughs> and I mean, just to hear like the sheer, like, um, almost like competition game show aspect of it. I'm super, I'm more excited for this now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I didn't realize how, how much they gamified it. That makes yeah. it a lot oh, more yes. interesting. I'm sure. Oh, so. like, yeah, that's what, that's what I'm saying. It was like, it was wild, like every day. And it was funny because some of the special addresses, oh God, I hope they show some of the footage of, of one in particular, one of the special addresses was like a, a, puzzle that is like the world's largest uh items in this one town <laughs> and so this one town just had like these massive like landmarks of like a giant rocking chair or a giant key uh like they had so many random things and the interpretation like you had to figure it out on on to like what it was and so because the, they just gave us a list of items well one of the teams interpreted it that they would just like go to someone's house and get these collect these things <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> well, like, and, and and when you meet these people too like uh, the cast was just amazing like uh, the contestants they wanted a wide variety of people to be able to have people to relate to i mean like you can't have everyone that knows everything about electric cars doing this mm -hmm. because um you know people can't relate to that they're gonna be they don't know anything about electric cars and there are plenty of people like that i've never experienced an ev or you know have quite a bit of experience with ev or have kind of a moderate view so i think that's also going to be really awesome for the viewers because they'll be able to relate to one of the teams no matter what because they were just uh, a wide variety of experience but if you were to meet this team that did the knocking on the door oh god you'd be like yeah that's that's exactly what they would do. <laughs> uh, the dynamic great. between everyone was wonderful. And I'm just so grateful that I had the opportunity to do it. I got to thank Ryan because at the kilowatts, he was the one that invited me to be his co-driver. And uh, yeah, I'm just so grateful to have met all of them and, you know, become really great friends with him too. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, I was talking with, uh, it's, is it, it's Brandon flash, right? Not Brendan flash. Uh, oh yes, I, yeah. I think I think it. I just say Brandon. I mean, okay. as a Brandon, I just kind of like keep it to you. Brandon too. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I was talking to. I'm pretty sure it was him I was talking to, but they were like, I really see that like EVs might like give new life to like the road trip culture in America because yeah. now you're like everybody's not like 
just trying to get wherever they're going the fastest. Like you can actually enjoy a road trip now because you've got to like you've got to stop and take a little break every once in a while to charge up your car. And there are like tons of cool stuff like that on the sides of roads that have like kind of been left there now because everybody's just like trying to go somewhere else. But now we're sure. going to be stopping there and and checking things out. So it'll be Absolutely. it'll be cool to see that firsthand on uh, on Tuesday night. Yeah, agreed. I'm, I'm anxious to see it. <laughs> it's going to be interesting how they cut it. I'm like, I hope I, lo- I don't look too silly, but <laughs> I've resigned awesome. it. I've resigned to it. So I'm like, okay, it is what it is. They're going <laughs> to cut it the way they want to. So. <laughs> so on the topic of um, like uh, media events and like, you know, being uh, doing things for the media, you know, uh, a week and a half ago, we actually met in person uh, at the Outer Spec yes. Media Summit in Los Angeles. Um, I wanted to ask you out of that entire experience and like all the cars we got to like experience, did you have one that like really like piqued your interest or that was your favorite? Yeah, so I spent actually a lot of time with the Audi because that, you know, I'm so used to being around luxury vehicles. I really wanted to see how that could stack up uh, against what I'm used to. And I've worked with a lot of even supercar brands. So for me, with the price point of that vehicle, I really wanted to see how how it really uh, compared to a lot of vehicles that I've been in in that price point. And so I actually spent the most time with that one so that I could shoot a video, uh, a full a full encompassing video on that. Uh, and so I've actually been working on editing that uh, over the last you know, five days or so that I've gotten back uh, to my house in order to, to get that out too. But yeah, that was the one I spent the most time with. But I also, I took the VWID4 um, to the Autopia 2099 event, which uh, if you guys haven't heard of is, is like a old, like a classic EV conversion show, uh, but they also oh, had a lot okay. of new stuff too. And they had motorcycles and, you know, Nissan brought the Aria and they had a Formula E car there. And um, so they had a lot of really, really cool stuff there. Um, but I drove the uh, ID4 from our event to Autopia and then came back. And I was like, like, I, I did the review on my channel on the rear wheel drive first edition. And I liked that. Um, but I, you know, it was a big stark difference to me with the all wheel drive and the extra power. Um, I really enjoyed, you know, that, and I enjoyed it on my initial review too, but, um, I was really impressed with the all wheel drive version and that's what you have, right, Brandon? Yeah, we, we have the first edition a rear wheel drive and Tyler and I really wanted to experience all wheel drive. And the moment he punched it, we're like, we regret our purchase. Like, we should have held out because <laughs> we had an all wheel drive on reservation. And then the dealership bias had that first edition. So we ended up getting that. But I mean, there's a stark difference between the rear wheel drive and the all wheel drive. I mean, they're both yeah. great cars, but there's so much more power in the other one. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, I actually was just talking to um, one one of the contestants on the show. She was reaching out to me. She's like, I'm looking to buy an EV now, which I'm like, that's awesome. <laughs> when? And, yeah, and she actually wants to start an EV group in New Hampshire. So I'm like, oh, this wow. is so that's great. great. Yes. Like, so she's converted. <laughs> like, by the end of it, it was hilarious because we were like, Ryan and I are like, you're all EV nerds now. (laughs) They're like, we are guilty as charged. Um, So she actually reached out to me and was like, I'm looking for something in the $30,000 range. And I'm like, well, you're in New Hampshire. You're probably going to want all wheel drive. And the best option is going to be the ID4. So I would definitely look into that. So that's one that I've already recommended to people quite a bit. 
Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, we, we yeah. love our ID4. I mean, th that's the one car we recommend to a lot of people as well. And it's going to be interesting, car. you know, with the Ionic 5 pricing that they just announced, how that's going to compete with the, uh, you know, the ID4. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And a little bit faster charging. So yeah, yep. I'm really excited to drive that. And I think the embargo gets lifted today for a lot of the reviews. So yeah, mm. yeah. I've been keeping an eye out for Kyle from uh, Out of Spec, his video. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Pretty excited about that. It'll be a good one. <laughs> well, that, that's awesome that you got to experience the RSE Tron GT and the ID4. Um, I know that this is probably going to be a silly question because there's such a big price difference and performance difference. Which out of those two would you say you would choose? I mean, yeah, uh, in my budget would be the ID4, so that's what I would go with. Um, but I can, I, can see, I can see the value of people hopping in the, the Audi and, um, you know, I haven't driven the Taycan yet, but I've, from what I've heard from people that have driven both of those, you know, they have said that they're different character, uh, you know, dynamics in, in each one of those cars. And really what I found in the Audi was... Uh, specifically that it really is a GT like it is a good daily driver option for people in that price range um the range is is pretty decent because it's a fairly efficient car um has a really nice uh air suspension um but it handles really well considering how heavy it is and uh you know I felt like the steering was really loose but other than that um I felt like it was a really great performing car it's not even though it is the RS, it wasn't as sporty as I was expecting, but it's a daily driver. So to me, I thought, you know, it was a great car for, you know, that type of vehicle, but it is very pricey. Yeah. <laughs> it's very, very expensive. Yeah. I would sell my house for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'd need to sell my house and my car. <laughs> Same here. Yeah. <laughs> Um, oh, I was trying to think of any like content production questions because um, you already kind of went through your story of how you got into that. Um, what's been the biggest like learning experience going into content production coming from like kind of a more traditional media background? Yeah, well, so it was even there was a lot of learning to do because back when I was in it, you know, when I graduated from college, even just the systems that I would use were drastically changed and uh like wildly different from what i was used to so mm -hmm. i had to completely learn i used davinci so i had to completely learn to. that um that system and i'm still learning like <laughs> i feel like you can learn forever <laughs> yeah you can learn forever um uh, audio has been a you know significant uh learning curve as well because it's so important to a production and to have you know good clean non-peaking audio is essential especially when you're doing interviews and you know that's one thing I like to focus on uh, doing more of is uh, talking to industry leaders and CEOs I've had a few videos on my channel uh, with people's of uh, people that are heads at companies and talking about their perspective and what they're offering at their uh, you know at their company and when you do that, you really have to, you know, consider audio in a new, in a new light, because for example, like I did a video with Electrify America, uh, back, you know, at the beginning of the year. And when I went to their facility, I did not realize that I was going to have to take into account the, um, 
charging stations have a specific like uh, wave signature that was messing with my audio. So when I came back, I was like, oh no, I'm so in trouble because all this audio is has like that noise in the background in it. yeah yeah and it was like whoa, 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 whoa. like like actually it was like four different wavelengths that were in there but luckily <laughs> oh da vinci gosh. saved me da vinci saved me it was able to like target those and and completely wipe them out so um you know just for instance like you, you gotta just take that into consideration with things like you know that are putting off a signature that you're not familiar with or don't expect so yeah, I mean, all of it is really <laughs> a learning, <laughs> a learning curve for me. Um, and I'm still learning a lot, but, um, I really enjoy it. I, you know, that the thing that I have the hardest time, um, you know, putting a lot of consistent, like I can't spend a whole 10 hour day, like editing because it just drives me great. I love what some of the other channels do where they don't edit as much. I just, get I get it in my head that I have to have it look a certain way and I'm particular so I'm like I gotta cut it here I gotta do this and add all these graphics and transitions and all this stuff um so I, I need to be more efficient on the editing side of things that's one thing that I'm like editing's not my favorite <laughs> but <laughs> uh you know hopefully one day my channel grows big enough I can hire someone to you know edit the most of most part of it yeah I literally just told Tyler that same thing last night when we were walking the dogs. I'm like, the goal for everyday EV is to get to that point where I can pay for an editor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's exhausting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is. Yeah, I, I will say that when it comes to like content production, it's always interesting to hear people's perspectives of how they're, they're learning. And I, I think that's the most grounding aspect is because I, I you know, like similar, like um, I started with a webcam and then like I slowly bought equipment and I started learning things. Yeah. But like as Alex attests and I tell him all the time, Alex is like the one that stepped up to send me things to help me. So like, and we go back and forth all the time. Like it, it's a learning opportunity for almost every aspect. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And that was one thing I liked about the EV media summit was to be able to talk to the other content creators to, you know, hear exactly how they do things or oh i use this and this is what you should you know try or whatever and so that that's very it was a really rewarding experience not only because we got to get in those cars and make a lot of videos but also just the people i loved that part of it so much and like finally meeting you in person and tyler <laughs> and alex and yeah so um that was like the highlight of us <laughs> being able to just chat with you guys <laughs> for a long period of time yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree. That that was probably my main takeaway too, is just getting a chance to see how everybody operates, you know, behind the camera. I think Alex, mm -hmm. we talked about that during a recap episode is everybody has a different style and that's what makes it so cool to like finally see. Yeah, for sure. For yeah. sure. <laughs> it's interesting how differently everybody does it because some people are shooting on like just straight GoPros, people are using their phones, like, but like Kilowatts has a freaking, uh, camera guy yeah. so <laughs> shout like, out to ben yeah everybody's on everybody's on different levels but it, it's like like you can still make good content with everything is the thing like it's it's really oh, yeah. more about how you how you cut it together and how you how you create your story more than anything so yep agreed 
Well, I know that we are coming up on 50 minutes of recording, which is hard to believe it's already been 50 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um, Lacey, I have two final questions, unless, Alex, you have any other questions. No, go for it. Go for it. Okay. So the first one, and I think I already know the answer to this just because of like all your efforts, but um, can you give us an example of how you're helping people live an electric life? Yeah, I mean, so in my day job, that's essentially exactly what I do is I educate people on, you know, what they need to know, charging 101, not only just the product when I'm doing a product launch about like, what are the specs of this vehicle and what's its advantages? Well, how can you stack it up against the competition? But explaining because I live it every day. That's that's what's so valuable is that people do not understand. They think I'm just saying things because this is the information that they provided me. It's like, no, I actually live the lifestyle so I can communicate that. Um, and like I said before, it's, it's good to get even people in my car and, you know, friends and, you know, acquaintances to be able to experience it for the first time. Like, I feel like <laughs> people more and more now are coming to me and asking, I think I'm going to, I think I'm ready to go electric. What should I do? And so I spend quite a bit of time also explaining, you know, this is, this is the vehicle I believe fits your lifestyle best. And um, this is why you should get this or that option instead of, you know, you know, going to a fully loaded version if it's not necessary for you. Um, so there are a lot of little things in the background that I'm doing, but also with the content creation with Miss Go Electric, I want to be able to provide more insight on, you know, EV 101 um, and on the product side, giving product reviews, uh, but also giving a peek into, uh, you know, the eyes of companies by doing these interviews with the CEOs and stuff. So um, I think it, I kind of just live and breathe it. <laughs> <laughs> so you're literally living electric. <laughs> I literally am living, like, unless I'm sleeping, I'm living it all the time. <laughs> I think we might need to copyright our title. <laughs> <laughs> and I That's love doing awesome. the road trips, especially because the road trips really show people that it's like, yeah, you can, you can even do the thing that a lot of people expect you can't. Mm -hmm. So That's awesome. Well, and I'm going to put you on the spot for this last question. Okay. Um, so, well, it, I've kind of been failing for episodes, but I, I try to do like a dad joke or like a bad pun at the end of each episode. Okay, so great. do you have any electric car jokes or like anything that might oh, be pun to finish the episode on? Oh gosh. Electric car jokes. Hmm. No, I mean, the, always the one, cause I used to work for BMW a lot and this isn't specifically an electric car joke, but I always would be like, what's the difference between, uh, BMW driver and uh uh oh god no, I'm blanking on what it is the, the pricks on the inside is the the, the punchline but uh <laughs> but specifically I don't know if I even have any electric car jokes that's a good one I gotta work on that apparently <laughs> well, I'm sorry to put you on the spot that's all right we gotta come up with one now <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> we can edit that into you know <laughs> later yeah in the we'll do a voiceover right. later <laughs> No, really appreciate you taking the time and being on this morning. Um, where can everybody find you and how can they watch the uh, the show on Tuesday? Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. Um, it's all good to see your faces again now. <laughs> and uh, you can find me at Miss Go Electric on pretty much every social media outlet. Um, I'm most active on Twitter and Instagram. And so that's all just one word at Miss Go Electric. Um, but I also have my YouTube, uh, so you can subscribe at youtube.com slash Miss Go Electric. 
And then the show, uh, Charge Across America, is going to be premiering on NBC Sports on December 21st at 7 p.m. Pacific Time and 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, uh, one thing I don't think I mentioned was that there's a $10,000 grand prize for the winner. So that was uh, uh, important. So see who wins that prize uh, coming up here on, on Tuesday. Awesome. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Lacey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah thanks thank for being you guys on. for having me. I Thanks, appreciate everybody, it. for listening. And uh, we'll catch you in the next episode.